بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فقد قال الله سبحانه وتعالى في القرآن المجيد بعد عوض بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وجاهدوا في الله حق جهاده هو اجتباكم وما جعل عليكم في الدين من حرج ملة أبيكم إبراهيم هو سماكم المسلمين من قبل وفي هذا ليكون الرسول شهيدا عليكم وتكونوا شهداء على الناس فأقيموا الصلاة وآتوا الزكاة واعتصموا بالله هو مولاكم فنعم المولى ونعم النصير صدق الله العظيم Respected elders and brothers and sisters Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a plan and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a way of doing things, the hikmah and the wisdom behind it, which only Allah knows. As Ali radiallahu anhu mentioned, that I have recognized the existence of my Lord. I have, exi- I have recognized the existence of a creator through seeing my plans falling apart. When intentions are made, plans are made, and when they go other than what you have expected and planned, that tells us that we are not in control of our lives. And that there is another being who controls our lives. So this, is, this program tonight is a stark reminder of the fact that we do not control anything. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala controls a person, makes an intention for someone, uh, someone else's to do a program. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills otherwise before the creation of the heavens and the earth, everything is written already. But we, due to our inefficient knowledge and incomplete knowledge, we think otherwise, we plan otherwise. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best of planners. And inshallah Allah will put khair and barakah in our gathering here tonight. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the last verse of Surah Al-Hajj, which I recited in front of you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks us to strive, to sacrifice. وَجَاهِدُوا فِي اللَّهِ Allah says, strive. Interestingly, Allah says, فِيلَّهِ Strive in Allah, literally translated in. And which means that strive in reaching Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Strive and struggle in trying to reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to what extent? Haqqa jihadi. Haqqa jihadi. To what extent? To the level, to the level fulfilling the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's rights. Fulfill the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the way it's due upon Him. The way you ought to sacrifice for your Rabb, the way you should ought to sacrifice for your Lord, sacrifice that much. When a person, you see in this world, we have different relationships. We have a parent-child relationship, teacher-student relationship, mentor and student relationship, friends, old pals from school. These are relationships that you do and you have done, it's a give and take situation. You've done a lot for each other over, over years. So now when a person says, uh, you, let's say you have, a, you have a clinic and someone wants to come see you, you said, brother, this is Saturday, Friday night, this office hours are closed. We don't have office hours this time. Someone says, well, this is you know, uh, your neighbor. Okay. Someone says that this is someone from the masjid. This is someone's, uh, someone's relative from the masjid. Okay. You move up that you know, list of, of people. Then sometimes a person says that this is your cousin. Okay. Then sometimes a person says that this is your own mother, your own sister, your own son who is in need of your help. All of a sudden things change. All of a sudden, 
Everything is possible. All of a sudden, we've got all sorts of time. In a daily routine, we see that. Someone asks you for something, and when you don't know who's asking, you say, I'm busy. But when as soon as we see that the person who's asking is someone who has a right upon us, a relative, an old friend, all of a sudden we find time. We say, tell him I'm available right now, anytime. So there are expectations that if this person has done something for you, we expect you to go out of your way. And we, when we go to friends' homes overseas and whatnot, if we've been kind to that person, unfortunately, that's how the dunya is. You know, nothing comes for free. Unfortunately. Rarely do people do things without any expectations. So we have expectations that this person, I've been kind to you when you visited America, I took you around, I, I fed you, you stayed in my home. So now when I come over there to your city, we have expectations that you will free your schedule up for me. And you won't just simply say, this is the taxi and this is the hotel and you know, good luck. Although some people do that as well. But you know, most of the time we have this expectation that they will go out of our way. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing us and saying, Oh servants, do you know your relationship with me? My relationship with you? At every instance of your life, and before you came into this world, before your parents even came, I've had a hand in your life. I have always been there for you, before you even had intelligence to figure out. Before you had even the intelligence to see your mother feeding you. Before you had the intelligence to figure out that your father was the one who was going and earning and bringing the milk and the food at home. All of that, before you're able to figure out and go through the stages of life, I had always been there for you. I've always was and always will be. So this is the relationship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has with each one of us, the murabbi. There's this beautiful hadith that I came across just today, related by Imam Bihaqi uh, and Imam Hakim, related by Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu and Abu Darda radiallahu anhu. share with you. He says, and this is a hadith Qudsi, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the human beings, and this is the, Allah's words via the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He says, Inni wal insu wal jinnu fi naba'in azim. Allah says, Indeed, I and humankind and jinn are in a great event, great you know, happening. It's me on one side, and it's my human creation and my jinn on the other side. What is this great story, this great narrative between me? And my creation. أَخْلُقُ وَيُعْبَدُ غَيْرِي أَرْزُقُ وَيُشْكَرُ سِوَايَ He says, I create. أَخْلُقُ I'm the one who create. وَيُعْبَدُ غَيْرِي But someone other than me is worshipped. How odd. I'm the one who creates, but someone other than me is worshipped. أَرْزُقُ وَيُشْكَرُ سِوَايَ I'm the one who provides, but someone other than me is thanked. I'm the one who provides, but someone other than me is thanked. خَيْرِي إِلَى الْعِبَادِ نَازِلٌ وَشَرُّهُمْ إِلَيَّ صَاعِدُونَ That my blessings continue to descend upon human beings and jinn, while their evil continuously is presented up to me. I am sending down good, I'm sending down rain, I'm sending down children, I'm sending down wealth, I'm sending down health, and they constantly pay this back, with disobedience, breaking my orders, and upsetting me. أَتَحَبَّبُ إِلَيْهِمْ بِنِعَمِي وَأَنَا الْغَنِيُّ عَنْهُمْ وَيَتَبَغْضُونَ إِلَيَّ بِالْمَعَاصِي وَهُمْ أَفْقَرُوا شَيْءٍ إِلَيَّ He says, I wish we could understand these words without translation. أَتَحَبَّبُ إِلَيْهِمْ بِنِعَمِي I try to earn their love. I try to Earn their love the way a, a child gets upset. Little child, then you, now you try to please him. 
Even though at the end of the day, who needs who? The two-year-old needs the father and the mother. Not the father and mother need the two-year-old. But you say, okay, okay, you're happy with this one, we'll give you this one. No, you don't want this one. He's, he is now stubborn. He's acting, he's upset. So now we will go out of our way to make him happy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَتَحَبَّبُ إِلَيْهِمْ بِنِعَمِي I try to please you. I try to give you, try to fulfill your du'as and give you بِنِعَمِي with my blessings. Although, وَأَنَا الْغَنِيُّ عَنْهُمْ Although I am the one who is in the least of need of you. I have absolutely no need of you. I don't need your dua, I don't need your prayer, I don't need your fast. So I gain nothing by trying to be nice and kind, by, you know, buttering you up. I gain nothing out of it, but I am. I am, try, I am trying to give you things to attract your attention. And what do you do? يَتَبَخَّضُونَ إِلَيَّ بِالْمَعَاصِي You show your repugnance and hatred towards me via sin. وَهُمْ أَفْقَرُ شَيْءٍ إِلَيَّ Although you are most in need of me. If I were to turn myself away from you for a second, like that child who gets upset and says, I don't want you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't like you. He gets stubborn and says that. If the mother and father say, oh really? Okay, here, take him and put him outside by the street. Lock the door. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Who is in need of who? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, this is the way you respond to me. But I constantly keep on trying to gain your happiness. Then he says, مَنْ أَقْبَلَ عَلَيَّ مِنْهُمْ تَلَقَّيْتُهُ مِنْ بَعِيدٍ وَمَنْ أَعْرَضَ عَنِّي مِنْهُمْ نَادَيْتُهُ مِنْ قَرِيبٍ He said, whoever from amongst them turns to me, then I start welcoming him from far. So there's a person, you see someone, a normal brother who prayed Salatul Maghrib with you, now he sees that, Aisha, he says, Assalamu alaikum. There's a brother we saw at Fajr, you see him now, he says, Assalamu alaikum. There's a brother you saw a week before, then you say, MashaAllah, I haven't seen you for a week, how are you? There's a brother you haven't seen, your own relative, your mother, father, wife, child has come from overseas, you haven't seen them for three months, two months. Now, it's not just a salam. He is walking away from the other end of the masjid, other end of the airport, you've got this huge smile. You already, the arms have extended open. The arms already open, you say, oh, you're a greeting. The person is still coming through the line. He's still far away. But that shok, the raghba, the love is such that a person has no control. He's opening his arms waiting for his beloved to come from far because he hasn't seen him for so long and this person is someone different. The person next to you, the person we met in Maghrib, even though he's extends salam, one hand, cold shoulder. But the one we haven't seen for so long, who we have so, so much love for, not only is the handshake, not only assalamu alaikum, uh, but not only the hands are extended, but probably a bouquet of flowers. You see in the Hajj terminal, people coming to pick up the Hajis and whatnot. Oh, balloons and, and flowers and all those type of things people have come to receive their relatives. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the one after so much disobedience, he turns to me at last one night, one day, تَلَقَّيْتُهُ مِنْ بَعِيدٍ I welcome him from far. What does that mean from far? From a long way, I already put out the red carpet for him. That at last, at last, at last the time has come that my servant is turning to me. Alhamdulillah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is receiving His servant. وَمَنْ أَعْرَضَ عَنِّي However, the one who constantly turns away his face from me, نَادَيْتُهُ مِنْ قَرِيبٍ Then I go close up to him, and I, be, I beseech him. I call out to him. I beckon him from real close, so that he may hear me. He may see my blessings, and then it may attract his attention. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَهْلُ ذِكْرِي أَهْلُ مَوَدَّتِي أَهْلُ شِكْرِي أَهْلُ زِيَادَتِي أَهْلُ مَعْصِيَتِي لَا أَقْنُطُهُمْ مِنْ رَحْمَتِي He says, 
the people of my remembrance, the people of my love, the people of my gratitude, the people of my increase, as well as the people who disobey me. I do not make any of them despondent from my mercy. All of them, I constantly give them hope that there is hope of my mercy. In tabu fa'ana habibuhum. If they repent, I am their beloved. If they repent even one day after 20 years, after 30 years, after 50 years, ana habibuhum, I am their beloved. Wa illam yatubu. And if they don't repent, fa'ana tabibuhum, then I am their doctor. I am the only one who can cure them. If you repent, I am your beloved. If you don't repent, I am there to take care of your needs. Abtalihim. Abtalihim bil masaib. لِأُطَهِّرَهُمْ مِنَ الذُّنُوبِ وَالْمَعَايِبِ I test them through difficulties. I put them through difficulties in order to purify them from sins and faults. I put them through difficulties. And the purpose of putting them through this difficulty is not, Ya Allah, why me? Why me? But this is also a love. The purpose of this is cleansing a person. Just like someone who is made to go on a diet. But his loved one says, that's it, you have to lose weight. And they send him to the gym, and they make sure they get a very staunch, strict uh, you know, trainer who yells at him, says, you have to run five miles. He's running those five miles on the treadmill, and he's not able to eat his beloved sweets. What is this? Is this out of hate? Is this out of hatred for that person? Or is it out of love that, listen, you, are, you have to take your health into control. We love you, we want you to live for long. And this is a very bad situation that you're putting yourself in. Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts a person through trials, tests, which are bitter at times, most definitely, which we don't like. But the purpose of that is to purify a person from those sins, from those sicknesses, from those faults. That is why the mashayikh and the righteous ulama, we hear about them, that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would test them through something, like a very difficult test, the death of a young child, the loss of family, the loss of their home, whatnot. They would turn to Allah and they would say, Ya Allah, we had no idea that you held us in such high esteem that you would test us in this manner. We are honored. We feel honored that you would test us in this manner. For we had never thought that we enjoyed such honor in your eyes that you would choose to test us like this. You understand this attitude? Amazing attitude. To be feeling test, to be tested is a honor, a gift which is reserved for the pious. As Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Ashadu nasi balaa al anbiya." The people who enjoy, the people who get tested the most, or I should say, who enjoy Allah's test the most, al anbiya are the prophets. ثُمَّ الْأَمْثَلُ فَالْأَمْثَلُ And then those who come after them in piety, and then those who come. After them in piety. A man is tested based on the strength of his faith, based on the strength of his deen. If he has got firmness and, 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 and strict or, or, or in his deen, salaba from sulb, your backbone. If he's got, if he's got you know, strength in his deen, then his difficulty and his test are increased. If he's got strength in his deen, what's gonna happen? His, his, his difficulty is gonna be increased. Today we say, oh, but I've been praying so much, why am I being tested? My brother, this is why you're being tested. Because you do pray so much. And because you do do so much dua. And because you don't neglect your tahajjud. And because you cry so much in front of Allah. Allah loves you. 
And hence Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is testing you. This is not two opposite things. I pray, but why am I getting tested? I pay my zakah, why am I getting tested? No. This is the sign that you have been chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَإِن كَانَ فِي دِينِهِ And if there is a weakness in a person's faith, عَنْهُ Then the tests are also decreased. And the purpose of this, حَتَّى يَمْشِي عَلَى وَجْهِ الْأَرْضِ وَلَيْسَ عَلَيْهِ خَطِيَةٍ كَمَا قَالَ So that a time comes that he's walking, he's a living man. He's a living man, walking around, normal, he's driving his car, going to work. لَيْسَ عَلَيْهِ خَطِيَةٍ However, he doesn't have a single sin in his book of deeds. He's a jannat, he's a walking jannati. You and I don't know that. But he's been tested so much. And he's been patient so much, that he's already been written as a jannati. He's just waiting for his time to go. That's it. Destination is set. Reservation is confirmed. Because of the patience in face of the hardships and tests. So this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying in this hadith, that I test you in order to purify you from your weaknesses and sins. <clears throat> in the last portion of the hadith, Al-Hasanatu indi bi ashrati amthaliha. Every good deed in my book of deeds, in my, in my books or in my court, is multiplied by ten. Every good is multiplied by ten. Wa azidu, and that's not it. That's a minimum. I will increase for whatever I want, however much I want. However, wal wa The sin will not be increased by even double or triple. It will be exactly equivalent to how much a person has done. And on top of that, over there was azid. I will increase more than 10 if I feel like it. And here it is, that the sin, you'll only get one, wa'afu. And most probably also I will wipe that sin off. Most probably I will also forgive that sin. And I am more loving, more compassionate, and more kind for each of my servants, more than the mother's compassion and love for her child. What a beautiful hadith. Subhanallah al This is Allah's relationship with us. So now, let's put this relationship of Allah with us in real, and then put all the other relatives, friends, business partners, all of those people in the dunya, their relationship with us. How does that stack up? How does that add up? So now Allah is addressing us. Remember this hadith. And now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, the one knocking on your door is not some, some person who's collecting votes some person collecting senses, someone who's trying to sell you a chocolate bar. Uh, the one who's trying to knock on your door is not an old pal, a relative, someone from the masjid, a business partner. Uh, no, no, no. The one knocking on your door and asking you to do something is Almighty Allah. Are you gonna, how will you open the door now? How will you receive this order of Allah? How will you present yourself when Allah's order has come to your door? Put that into perspective, the relationship you have with Allah. Now, put this ayah. وَجَاهِدُوا فِي اللَّهِ حَقَّ جِهَادِ Allah says, strive for the sake of Allah, fulfilling the right of striving for Him. Fulfilling the right that He has upon you. Remember all that Allah has done for you, and continues to do for you. And then when the call is made, do something for Allah. Imagine how much you should give for it. Someone, the wife says, can you get me something? It's Eid day, it's anniversary day, or whatnot. Son says, Dad, this is my birthday, this is this day, this is my graduation day. Hmm? Everyone's asking. And then someone comes and says, Brother, for the sake of Allah, can you give me something? How do we go into our wallet, into our credit card for our wife, for our son, for our daughter, for our friend, for our parents? And someone, which is, I'm not saying it's not for the sake of Allah, 
if you have the right intention, of course all of that is very, very rewarding. But some random person, you have no idea who it is. And he says, Lillah, shay'an lillah, give me for the sake of Allah. Now, it's, it, this is what should strike our mind. That this man is asking in the name of Allah. How can I refuse him? How can I say no? So if you take the name of Allah, that's it. If you've taken his name, it's a done deal. Like someone, if someone were to come and say, your mother, your old mother has sent me to you saying you can help me. How would you in your right mind refuse that person? Someone says that I, Allah has sent me to you. I'm taking Allah's name. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, struggle and strive for him. tabakum. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen you. Every one of you here sitting here is chosen. None of us have come into this world without being chosen. None of us have been given the two beautiful eyes, this beautiful tongue, these beautiful ears, this beautiful intellect, these hands and feet that we all are enjoying. None of us have this without Allah choosing it for us. And most importantly, none of us have iman in our heart without Allah choosing it for us. Allah chose that iman. If Allah chose for us to be outside of the fold of Islam, what could you and I have done? We could have done nothing. We wouldn't even know. Imagine there are millions and billions who have never ever put their forehead in sujood in front of Allah. They've never done it. And not only that, they don't even think that there's a need for that. How sad a life they lead that they don't even realize that I have not put my forehead in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the past 40 years. And you and I, Allah gives us tawfiq every single day, five times a day, subhanAllah. We cannot do this if Allah had not willed it for us. Allah has chosen every one of you. وَمَا جَعَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ فِي الدِّينِ مِنْ حَرَجٍ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that He has not made in your religion, in your deen, haraj, he has, not made, he has not made difficulty. The purpose of the deen is not to make your life constricted and hard. As many times we misunderstand the deen, we misinterpret it, or it's misinterpreted for us, whatever the, you know, the case may be. But a person finds deen difficult. This is why the average person today, why doesn't want to follow the deen? He says, by following the deen, this is haram, that is haram, this is haram, that not permissible. And leading, leading my life without deen, it is a very easy life. Allah Himself clearly says the Qur'an, Allah intends ease for you and does not intend difficulty for you. Now this doesn't mean that let's just say everything is da'if, modu, and alhamdulillah, eat whatever we want, sleep wherever we want, and do business as we want. No. It means that if you truly submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and you present yourself, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will mold your life, and will make it deen your, your nature. That following the deen is your nature. Like, you look at the people who go run five miles every morning. I look at them, I just look at them, that's all I do. I say, subhanallah, mashallah, it's snowing, it's raining. And you know, these brothers don't stop. They're doing. You stop them, it's hot, burning hot sun in the summer. I remember some days, you see these brothers still running, you know. And you, for me, that would be the most difficult thing. Like, why should you, if you say, brother, I can't, even get, I can't even go to work without doing this. This is life for me. How can you expect me to go to, you know, go to work or even have breakfast without running five miles or two miles, whatever the case may be, regardless of the weather? They have simply trained themselves. And now this is the most natural and the most easiest thing for them. People who go work out, for people who don't, you're not used to working out, it's so difficult. They say, brother, if you give me $10, $100, I'm not going to go lift these weights. I'm not going to go run for five miles. And the other people, they're paying $100 a month so that they could go run. What is this about? It's about simply training yourself. Once you train yourself, you can't live without it. This is 
something which you will do every single day. So the deen is such, same thing, that you have to present yourself initially to the deen. Say, Ya Allah, I want to follow the deen. And you have to present yourself to the deen and try to, to turn towards Allah. And when, once you get acceptance from Allah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of everything. Like they say, try to present, you know, get, you know, get yourself accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for hajj. And when a person gets accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, present your papers not only to the embassy but to Allah. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gets you, accept, Allah accepts you, then you'll go. And when we, every year we go, you know, whenever we go, we hear stories. And even when we come back, hearing stories of people who got accepted. They didn't get accepted by the travel agent, by the embassy, but they got accepted by Allah. And then they ended up doing trips that you wonder. I just heard of one of our students here, his brother, his, his trip, you know. The day before, what the, the last, the, the morning of the last day of the flights, the morning of or the night before, yani less than 24 hours for sure. Pay visa came in, decided to go, and subhanallah, he ended up, there's no flights to Jeddah anymore, no flights to Medina, of course, and ended up taking this flight, that flight, and eventually he got to Ta'if somehow, and from there, you know, he had to, he went in a bus, and after that, because it's illegal and a lot of other, because the Hajj time was over, you had to come before that. He actually walked 10, 15 kilometers. 10, 15 kilometers in the heat, it's about 110 degrees. 110 degrees. Yeah? Walking all the way to Mecca. SubhanAllah. And he made the Hajj. He got accepted by Allah. Another person, he was saying, uh, he had his, from Detroit. He was coming. His flight was from Chicago. Second to last day or something like that. On his way to Chicago, because of that air traffic control and that big fire which we heard afterwards took place, flight got canceled. Travel agent called all his way to Chicago. He said, I got you booked in the next two hours from Detroit. Come back. Two hours. He rushed back to Detroit airport. From there he went, every, whole this thing messed up. He went, got to New York. He got to the New York counter. He says, okay, I need to get to Saudi. Every single... He goes to Saudi. They say, khalas, our last flight is gone. Finish. He goes to Ittihad. Goes to, you know... Emirates He goes to Turkish This is At last He goes to Turkish Airlines He said yes Per ticket Now $4,000 Per ticket Him and his parents $12,000 He paid Right then and there He had already had some package Of some sort But all useless The tickets went down the drain $12,000 cash right there He went And he made it to He made it for the Hajj what happened? How does that money come from? How did you person get the tawfiq to do all of this stuff? He got accepted from Allah. Once a person gets accepted from Allah, Allah puts everything in place. So once a person gets accepted by Allah for deen, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make the tartib. Allah will make it for him. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry how that's going to happen. There are so many stories of people who performed hajj without means. These people see, apparently means. There are people who performed hajj without means at all. Without means at all. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted. There was a brother in our group this year. SubhanAllah, revert brother who was completely blind. He was in our group. He performed the Hajj. And another revert brother came with him to help him and assist him. To see them was the most inspiring thing. These two group of revert brothers in their 60s with all sorts of sicknesses and whatnot. On top of that being blind. How Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted his dua and allowed him to come was, such a, was an inspiration for all of us. My brothers, if we present ourselves to Allah and say, Ya Allah, accept me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make deen easy for you. This is what I'm trying to say. Standing up for tahajjud, getting up, we say, oh, this is so hard. There are people who haven't missed tahajjud for 60 years, for 50 years. How does that happen? It becomes their nature. How? Allah accepted them, and then Allah makes it easy for them. So, just like when you fasted 29 or 30 days, 18 hours a day, your non-Muslim co-worker said, how do you do that? Did you ever say, it's so difficult, really, I don't know, I might break my fast. Have anyone said that? Said, so, brother, this is easy. I don't even feel hungry. This is easy. 
And he's looking at you shocked. In this summer, how can you not drink water for 18 hours? Alhamdulillah, all of us did it, and all of us did it easily. Yes or no? Allah made it easy. Yes? Allah made it easy. So get up for tahajjud, giving sadaqah, being nice to our relatives, all of those things. When a person makes his commitment, say, Ya Allah, make it easy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make it like your second nature, you won't even feel it. Now comes the topic. Ibrahim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Hold on to the milla of your father Ibrahim. Milla. Hold on to the milla, the religion, the way of life of your father. Your father. Allah calls us our father. Not just the father of Muhammad sallallahu but our father, all of us. Millat abikum Ibrahim. Huwa sammakum al-Muslimina min qablu wa fi hada. Allah says, Ibrahim alayhi salatu salam gave you this beautiful name. Huwa sammakum. He's given you this beautiful name, al-Muslimin. He's given you this name of Muslim. He chose, he said, Ya Allah, name this ummah, the ummah Muslim. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted this. Min qablu in the previous scriptures, wa fi hada and in the Quran as well. This name was chosen for you, for all of us as Muslims. Chosen by Ibrahim alayhi salam. لِيَكُونَ الرَّسُولُ شَهِيدًا عَلَيْكُمْ The purpose of this choosing, the purpose of you following this, لِيَكُونَ الرَّسُولُ شَهِيدًا عَلَيْكُمْ So that the Prophet Muhammad والسلام, can be a witness for you or against you on the Day of Judgment. All of humanity. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will call Prophet Nuh, Allah will call Prophet Ibrahim, Prophet Lut, and their nations. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will address the nations. The Nabi came to you. And he invited you, why did you not obey him? Now, go towards the fire of Jahannam. They will say, Ya Allah, isn't this the day of justice? And they'll say, Allah says, most definitely. He says, Ya Allah, this Nabi you're saying, he never came to us. And if he did, he never invited us towards Islam. He never did what you're saying he claimed he did. No, it didn't happen. They'll have the guts to lie in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, really? That these people did not. But they did. He says, no, we don't believe. We don't believe him. We don't believe the Prophet. He's lying. Na'udhu billah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will resurrect. Of course, we'll give an opportunity for uh, the Prophet sallallahu and this ummah. So, لِيَكُونَ رَسُولُ شَهِيدٍ عَلَيْكُمْ The Nabi himself, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa first will give testimony about us. Ya Allah, I left the deen, the sunnah. I invited them towards Islam. These are the people who accepted my message. These are the people who didn't accept my message. Ya Allah, I passed on the message to further generations. I left the Qur'an. And I left my sunnah. As Rasulullah said, I am leaving amongst you two things. As long as you hold on to this firmly, you shall not go astray. One is the book of Allah, and the second is my sunnah and my family. If you hold on to these things, these two, you will not be led astray. Ya Allah, I left these two things for them. But unfortunately, a good number of them, they disobeyed, they didn't obey me. So Rasulullah Allah forbid, will be giving testimony against individuals from this ummah. Then now comes to the other prophets. When their ummah, their nation say, Ya Allah, our prophets did not give us the message the way you claim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask this ummah to stand up. Come to the witness stand and speak. So this ummah, this nation of Rasulullah will come to the witness stand and will say, Ya Allah, Nuh salam has spoken the truth and his nation is lying. Lut has spoken the truth and his nation is lying. Salih has spoken the truth and his nation is lying, like this one by one. So the people will say, Ya Allah, who are these strange faces who are giving testimony? We have never seen them. How can they speak about our lives when we have never even seen them? From which generation is this? 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, this is the generation true, you have never seen them. They came at the very end of times, thousands of years after you. But they are from the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa They were given the message, they were given Qur'an, my word, my kalam, my Qur'an was given to them. And in that Qur'an which they received through their Prophet, your story and how you disobeyed your Prophets was mentioned in there. So now they have a right to speak up because they have knowledge which others do not have. You all will be witnesses against people. So establish your prayer and pay the alms. Zakah. And hold on firmly to Allah. He is your caretaker. What a beautiful caretaker. And what a beautiful assistant and helper. Beautiful ayah, which I have simply just translated. What part of this ayah that I like to shed a little bit extra light on is Millata Abikum Ibrahim. Milla, the way of, the, of your forefather, Ibrahim salam. So what does this entail? When we say the Milla of Ibrahim salam, what does this mean? So ulama have written a number of things under Milla. And I'll share with you seven points that they have mentioned under Milla. When we say, this is a very common ayah, this repeated, this verse, this ayah, this term Milla, the religion of your father, Ibrahim salam. First aspect of this is that Ibrahim والسلام, number one was an ummah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna Ibrahim kana ummatan qanita lillahi hanifa. Indeed, Ibrahim والسلام, was an ummah. Qanita lillah was obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hanifa, he didn't go right and left, he was straight as narrow. And he was not from amongst those who commit shirk. And ascribe partners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls the Prophet uh, Ibrahim Khalil calls him an ummah. What does an ummah mean? One meaning of ummah is tariqah, a path, sharia, a path. That the one who basically follows Ibrahim will be following the path that leads directly to Allah. So Ibrahim was the path. If you follow Ibrahim, you're following and you're treading the path that leads to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the first meaning. Ummah here meaning path. Number two. Ummah mean jama'ah, a group. Inna Ibrahim kana ummah. Ibrahim was a group. What does that mean? That the one who follows the lifestyle of Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam, Allah will turn the hearts of people towards him. Allah will put your love into the hearts of people. And you will be able to create an environment around yourself that you will no longer be alone. Just like Ibrahim started with one man. When there was no one saying, La ilaha illallah. Alone, one man on this earth said, La ilaha illallah. And Allah made him Abu, Abu al-Bashar. The father of humanity afterwards. The father of the ummah. <clears throat> if you practice your deen, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put your love into the hearts of people and you will have people coming together with you to practice the deen. An ummah will be created with you if you follow the lifestyle of Ibrahim alayhi salatu salam. Number three, ummah means jami'an likulli shay. Someone who has within him all beautiful aspects. <clears throat> so Ibrahim alayhi salatu salam, he performed his salah, he paid his zakah. Ibrahim alayhi salam of course established the hajj. Ibrahim alayhi salatu salam fulfilled the rights of his kin and kith. Ibrahim alayhi salatu salam bid towards good, forbid from evil. All of those beautiful characteristics of course, 
one thing that beautiful trait of his that's mentioned in the Quran is <clears throat> catering to guests, always being hospitable. That's mentioned as well in the Quran in a number of places. So Ibrahim salam had a multitude of attributes within him, and that's why Allah calls him an ummah. Number four, ummah comes from um, which means mother, which means the essence of something, asl. So Ibrahim salam was was the kana aslan min usul al-deen. He was a fundamental pillar from the pillars of deen, Ibrahim salam. So the one who follows Ibrahim salam's way, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would make him a pillar of the deen. And last meaning of ummah that we're sharing with you, the fifth meaning or the sixth meaning would be la nadhira lahu, that he has no one that even comes close to him, no resemblance. He was unique. Ibrahim salam's way even today is a unique way. If you follow the method of Ibrahim salam, you will shine from amongst others. You will shine like stars. Don't look left and right to see how everyone else is doing that. No. Follow the path of Ibrahim salam, and Allah will make you prominent. Allah will make you shine. So this is the part of... I haven't just mentioned who Ibrahim was. I'm showing how... If you bring the qualities of Ibrahim within you, those same in'amat and the blessings that Allah had given him, inshaAllah, Allah will shower you with those same blessings. So this comes, the conclusion of the first meaning. The first aspect, not first meaning, first aspect of Millat Abikum Ibrahim. Milla deen. Number one is that the fact that Ibrahim was an ummah. That's one aspect. Number two. The aspect was that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given him proofs, hujjah. Allah had given him proofs for the veracity and the truthfulness of this deen. Allah says, وَتِلْكَ حُجَّتُنَا آتَيْنَاهَا إِبْرَاهِيمَ عَلَىٰ قَوْمِ This is mentioned, this ayah. These are the proofs we had given to Ibrahim. Where is this ayah mentioned? In Surah Al-An'am. And where it's mentioned after the debate between Ibrahim والسلام, and his nation. He says, I'm gonna, oh, you, know, you know that debate. That I'm going to worship, I want to worship the Lord. I'm finding, oh, this is the sun. Sun is the Lord. Let me go worship the sun. But the sun sets. How can, how can my Lord set? Okay, let me go worship the moon. That's also gone. Right? This, that thing, we, we know, just to clarify, that Ibrahim even for a moment, wasn't actually trying to worship the sun. This is a way of doing a, a, a strategy in debate. Munadara. And that he said... Hypothetically speaking, based on your opinion, if I were to start worshipping the sun or the moon, let's see what happens, or the stars. And of course, one by one, they all fell apart. So after he used logic, logical reasoning to, and uh, he spoke at the level of his community. So what happens? Ibrahim didn't just say, hey, believe me. He spoke to the people. He spoke with proof. He spoke with confidence. Allah says, we gave you that confidence, we gave you those proofs. And this is what Ibrahim salam's madhab and millah is about. That our deen is not based on whims, desires, and just random someone saying some inspiration. I had this inspiration. No. Allah has given us aql. Allah has given us intelligence. Most definitely intelligence has its limits. It's true. But in order to get to Islam, you must and you can and you must use your intelligence. Once you get into Islam, and you're in the right you, you know, it's like basically, you know, you're using directions. Using, uh, you know, you're using, someone calls you and says, this is, the, I can tell you from my experience, it took me an hour to go visit someone. Right now in Hajj, an hour. 
Because that person was telling me, you know, they don't have streets, proper names of streets there and whatnot. It says the right of this building, left of that building, you'll see this sign, this KFC there, this one there, this, that, 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 all that and stuff. So I went and it really took me an hour. I go to ask this person, have you heard this street? He says, no. Have you heard this masjid? He says, no. Oh yeah, of course, it's just down here. When you go down there, what are you talking about? This street? No, it's not here. But the brother told me the street was here. He says, no brother, I don't know. I have heard there's a street like this down there. So like this, round and round and round for one hour, spent. So now you can... You must use your intelligence, use context clues, look around, all you want, ask as many people as you want in order to get to the deen. Once at last you come to the door, this is Islam. Darul Islam, place of Islam, house of Now you enter it, put your GPS away, put your card away, put your directions, khalas, done. You're in the house. Don't ask now anymore. Now you're in, and now you say it's a time for adhan, Allahu Akbar. It's time for tilawah, let me read Quran. That's what it says, لا إكراه في الدين No compulsion in deen. What does that mean? No compulsion في دخول الدين In entering Islam. You cannot force someone to enter Islam. Use your mind, intelligence, ask Allah for guidance. But once you get into Islam, then you have to follow the rules. So, what do we learn from this? That our deen is not based on dreams and whims and just random inspirations. No, no. It's got solid proofs. And when we're speaking to non-Muslims, we need to be learned about these proofs. Present it not as a good feel type of religion. Because that doesn't last too long. I'm, I'm depressed, come to the masjid khalas. You know, then the brother, when he gets his job, then you won't see him again. You see what I'm saying? It has to be based on proofs. So alhamdulillah, our deen is beautiful. That it is based on this proof, but we have to learn about it. We have to learn how to present that. So number two, aspect of millah is proofs. Number three, is that Ibrahim salam? he distanced himself from all sorts of sins. He said, I am free and I have nothing to do. I have disconnected myself. I have the Quran. Allah says in Surah Al-Mumtahina, Indeed, you will find a beautiful example in Ibrahim and those who are with him. This is an ayah of Surah Al-Mujadala in the 20th juz. If qalu liqawmihim, when Ibrahim and his followers said to their nation, Inna bura'a'u minkum, we have nothing to do with you. Wa min dunillah, and whatever you worship other than Allah. Kafarna bikum, we have openly disavowed ourselves and distanced ourselves from you. And enmity and hatred has become quite apparent between us. Because we have nothing to do with sin and you want to sin. We have nothing to do with shirk and you want to commit shirk. We have nothing to do with disobedience with Allah and you want to disobey Allah. So this comes to the end of our relationship. Freeing ourselves from all sorts of sins. Person, many times what happens my brothers, we are free from sin alhamdulillah, but our friends, our relatives are, in, in, are, inter- are still involved in those sins. Our participation in those events and our sitting with him as a person is involving that sin, unfortunately, is tantamount and equivalent paramount to doing that. Person, Allah forbid, Allah forbid, if someone is taking drugs, and the person is sitting next to him, say, hey, how is, how is everything going? Oh, is that how you inject it? You're sitting there, how is that possible? Someone is taking drugs, someone is drinking, and you're saying, well, how does it taste? Tell me. This is what it is. Oh, I didn't drink. But brother, why are you sitting next to him in a bar and asking him how it tastes? That's, that's bad enough for us. So when we're in a gathering where sin is taking place, but this is not my party, this is his party. But the fact that we're present there, that's bad enough. When someone is involved in a type of sin, 
we need to distance ourselves. I'm not saying totally don't speak to them, no. But at least when that sin is being committed, we have to walk away. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clearly mentions in the Qur'an, Allah says, do not sit with such people. Leave those people who have made their deen a mockery. Who make fun of the Prophet, who make fun of the deen. There are people who say that, right? Left and right, unfortunately, today has become very common to make fun of the sunnah, to make fun of the deen. What is this? What are the ulama saying? This, is that, all kinds of stuff. Allah says, don't sit with such people who make fun of the deen, who mock at the deen. And Allah says, if you don't, and if you continue to sit and you don't obey by this command of removing yourself, then in that case, you are just like them. In that case, you are just like them. Allah says, I am going to gather the hypocrites and the open disbelievers together in hellfire. What does that mean? That the one who is mocking the deen, he's an open, outright disbeliever. And, and so-and-so ex-Muslim, who claims to be a Muslim, who prays in the masjid, and mashallah looks very punctual, but the fact that he sits on a dinner table and listens to these people speaking, what, is it, what does it mean? He's a hypocrite. Inside his heart, he's not there. The fact that he can listen to someone make fun of the deen. And on one side he says, I'm here at the masjid, mashallah, punctual in my prayers. Allah says, that person at least is very frank about his beliefs. He's open. He says, this, I mean, he makes fun of the deen. We know he's a disbeliever. But the one who, puts on, who portrays himself like a Muslim and then enjoys the company of such friends, and they're my old friends, what can I do? What do you mean, what can you do? If you have love for Allah and His Rasul, how can you accept even sitting and listening to even a second of, of rubbish like that. If you cannot correct and change the course of the conversation, then one must definitely excuse himself and leave. So this is what Ibrahim did. Number three, free himself from sins. Number four, friendship only with the pious. Al-wala' wal-bara'. This is what's called in aqidah, wala' wal-bara'. That you befriend those who are the friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our relationships, like today, what is it? Relationships are based on business, business partnership. When a person goes out to lunch, I have to go. Why? Because he's a business partner, he's a business acquaintance. So relationships are now based on money, based on contacts, business contacts. Instead, our relationships need to be based on the deen. <clears throat> Why are you so friends with that person? He's from a different country, from a different area, from a different socioeconomic background. But what you, mashallah, you go to his house, he goes to your house. Who cares about his background? He is, uh, he, is a, he is a friend of Allah or he practiced the deen. That's it. I don't need any ex- nothing beyond that. And this is what we see in Hajj. What, what moved Malcolm X? The fact that a black and a white man can sit together and eat in one plate. They can perform tawaf together. A rich and a, and a poor person can sit there and, and, and do sa'i together and can do muzdalifa in the night. Millionaire and a pauper next to each other. That's what the movie experience is. So our friendship is based on the deen. This is what we learn from Ibrahim salam. Choose your friends. Be very, very picky who you choose. Umar radiallahu anhu, he's addressing the Sahaba and the Tabi'een. That's a very long time ago, right after the death of the Prophet And what does he say in his advice? عَلَيْكَ بِالْخَلِيلِ الصَّالِحِ Hold on to a pious friend. Search and seek for a pious friend. وَقَلَّمَا تَجِدْهُ And very... Rarely shall you find him. With much difficulty shall you find him. He's saying at that time. A pious, well-wisher, loving friend who is pious, fulfills the rights of Allah, and at the same time loves you also for the sake of Allah, and he's your well-wisher. If you have one, one is more than enough. 
One is more than enough. If you have one in your life, thank Allah for that. Because this is one of the greatest gifts you can have, is a pious friend. Because you follow the way your friends think. Person, I see that sometimes. Someone, after two weeks I meet him, all of a sudden, his whole way of speaking has changed. And I'm wondering what? On every issue, every time I raise up an issue, he's got a different opinion, very different from before. You find out that he has met someone two weeks ago and he's been spending a lot of time with that person. Immediately we see that. In two weeks, three weeks, or less or more, a person begins to pick up things. Just we always blame little children. Oh, he come, came back from the masjid, little kid, he picked up something. Brothers, we're no less, we're no different. We're no different. The child, he blurts it out. He says a bad word. Oh, we know he learned it. We don't blurt it out, but our mind is being corrupted. We don't blurt out those things maybe, but the mind subconsciously, when we hear things, it has an effect. It rubs off. The company that we keep rubs off on us. So Ibrahim salam, fourth point about his millah is that friendship based on the deen. Number five was that Ibrahim salam, was given amazing intelligence from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Farsightedness from Allah. Allah says, وَلَقَدْ آتَيْنَا إِبْرَاهِيمَ رُشْدَهُ مِنْ قَبْلِ Indeed, we, have, we gave intelligence and farsightedness to Ibrahim from before. So the person who follows the way of Ibrahim, inshallah, Allah will also give him that farsightedness and that intelligence. Number six, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had opened up the realities and the hidden background of certain things of this world. Number six, Allah says, وَكَذَلِكَ نُرِي إِبْرَاهِيمَ مَلَكُوتَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَلْيَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُوْقِنِينَ In Surah Al-An'am. Allah says, in this manner, we showed Ibrahim والسلام, the kingdom of the heavens and the earth. وَلْيَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُوْقِنِينَ And so that he could gain complete strength and uh, power in his faith. So that he could become from amongst those who have unwavering faith. Allah says, I showed him the hidden things of the heavens and the earth. Allah took him for a tour. Allah took him, Allah has taken him the tour of the universe. Ajib. <laughs> That's the most detailed tour you can imagine. And there's tafsir Qurtubi, another tafsir has many hadith mentioned here. What he saw, Allah showed him all the way up to the arsh. Allah opened up the heavens for him. Saw all the way to the bottom of the earth. Allah showed him his place in Jannah. He was able to do seer, proper, you know, tafri of the whole heavens. Allah showed him so much. What happens? When you follow the millah of Ibrahim properly, Allah also will show you things. And what will this do? Not so that you can say in your bayan, brothers, I saw this, I dreamt this, I had this vision. No, no, no. And that's not the purpose. Your trust in Allah will keep on increasing. This is the karam of Allah. I have met people, mashallah, who shared with me at times, in, in, of course in seclusion, in confidence, just to teach me as a student, things that Allah has shown them. And, how, and they would say, this is, these are small gifts for Allah. Because Allah knows we're very weak. So just like you give toffee, candy, say, oh, good job, do another 10 push-ups. We don't need that. But just because we know we're going to give up. Here the, he says, here, take this. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows we're struggling and striving. Say, ya Allah, please give me a sign. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at times, He does that. That's not our matlab. That's not our maqsood. That's not what we're doing ibadah for, to see signs. Our maqsood is the pleasure of Allah and to get to Jannah. We're not trying to cash out in this dunya through visions and through this and that. But Allah most definitely does that. When you will start walking towards Allah, Allah will show you such things. This is very personal, at your own level. Only between you and Allah. That you will walk away saying, I, am, I have only increased in my conviction that Allah exists. And that Allah controls my life. People around you will say, SubhanAllah, this happened. This great calamity happened. How are you got a smiling face? Why? Because Allah in those difficult times has shown you something.
It might not be even a vision or even a dream. Just something clicks. Something happens unexpected. And then you see Allah written there. You see that this is, this happened only to take care of my need, to take care of my, uh, to, to, to give me solace and comfort at this difficult time. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will open up the realities of certain things, haqaiq. Number seven, of course, we see Ibrahim salam has the utmost obedience, ta'ah. Ibrahim salam has the high, very high level of obedience in every aspect, test. And what is the ayah for that? وَإِذِ ابْتَلَى إِبْرَاهِيمَ رَبُّهُ بِكَلِمَاتٍ فَأَتَمَّهُنْ Allah says, when Ibrahim والسلام, was tested by his Lord, بِكَلِمَاتٍ with words, with certain, with certain words, فَأَتَمَّهُنْ and so he fulfilled it. This in itself definitely is an ayah that requires at least, at least a minimum of an hour. We don't have time for that. But I will briefly go over this ayah, which is the last point on the seven we've covered so far. Seven under uh, uh, the explanation of Millat Abikum. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He tested Ibrahim salam. Let's look at this ayah. Allah brought, Allah didn't say, Allah tested Ibrahim. Instead, Allah brought the object first. Ibrahim was tested by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The reason for bringing that ulama, right, is to show his. Grand, his greatness amongst the prophets and amongst his creation. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, before he brings his name, he brings Ibrahim salam's name. He says, Ibrahim, Allah has tested him. One thing. Number two, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the question to me arises, why did Allah test, you test someone to see if he's going to be successful or failure, I'm going to put you to test. But Ibrahim is Khalilullah, he's a friend of Allah, why is he being tested? One answer in detail we already gave at the beginning of the talk. Tests are a gift of Allah. But one thing, another answer you can learn from here, from this ayah is, Allah says, وَإِذِ ابْتَلَى إِبْرَاهِيمَ رَبُّهُ His Rabb, His Lord is the one. Rabb, Rububiyyah, you know, means the nourisher. The one who takes you from stage to stage and fulfills every need of yours in every facet and every stage of your life. That's what you call Rabb. Like the one who, a caretaker of a plant or of a vegetable or a fruit, what, a tree. And he waters it and he looks, takes care of it. And every stage of that tree... He is there taking care of the very specific needs in all the different seasons. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of his tarbiyah, the aspect of Allah, Allah actually was training Ibrahim. He was not testing him to see whether he's going to be a failure or, or a successful person. But rather Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was training him out of his love for Ibrahim because Allah had a very high station for him. That station was khillah, friendship of Allah. Allah had a very high station for him in Jannah. And Allah wanted Ibrahim to reach that station. So this is the method he did that, through tests. فَأَتَمَّهُنْ Alhamdulillah. Ibrahim salam completed those tests beautifully. Now what are those tests? Ulama have written many things. Some say it was five, some four, ten, twenty, thirty. Briefly, we can say four main tests that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested him on. One, the greatest test... When he stood up against his community, when he had no support, and as a muwahid, as an inviter towards Allah, he started saying, La ilaha illallah, believe that one Allah, Allah does. Today in this world, when we say, it's pretty much, I'm not saying it's the same thing, but we're living in a world as well where we are regarded as very ajib and strange. Our message doesn't resonate very well. Not only doesn't it resonate very well with non-Muslims, it doesn't resonate with their own crowd. People say, what's wrong with you? Be practical. What, in what age and era are you living in? 
This is a common thing we hear. Live in this 21st century America, right? You know, we have to earn, we have to have this, this, that, that, that. So now to speak the haq and the truth is very difficult. To say that Allah, listen to this, like if, you know, if you tell someone that success lies only in the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that sounds pretty obvious. But if you go and beyond this, the ramifications of this, and you tell a person, today if a person, <clears throat> he doesn't have a nice job, he, is, he's, he has a very, very menial job, and his children are not even able to go to college, and people in his family are sick, but he's obedient, good worshiper of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. His wife is, his children are. What do we say? Bichare, masakin. Poor people, oh my God, shame on them. The man who's being tested also, he says, oh, what a pitiful life I have. Everyone who says, they feel sorry and sympathize with him. On the other hand, a person, mashallah, he leads a very successful life. He, has a, he is a professional. He earns very well. All his sons and daughters have become professionals. And they are married into rich and good families. And each one of them have their own bangla and their own huge home. And he also has his huge home. And he shows up once a year for Eid. All of a sudden, people say, "Break successful zindagi guzara." Mashallah, he's become, he's gone to America and became very successful. That we have to become successful like that. These are the words. And if you say, "Brother, what success is that?" He does, he doesn't show up for salah. There's no sign of sunnah in his house. I say, "Bye, what are you talking about? This is success." And that other person will say, "What a pitiful life he's in." So now to stand up and say that no, if this person dies in this state, there's no bigger loser than him. And this person, if he dies on iman and his sunnah that he is on, then there's no greater winner than him. This is ajib. People don't want to accept this. Ibrahim salam similarly stood up. When everyone is worshipping idols, the way today they worship position, job, and money. At that time they used to worship idols. Today they worship money. So he said, La ilaha illallah. None of this counts. Only Allah gives. Only Allah does. Namrud did not like that. And he flung him into the fire. The story which we all know. He didn't give up. He didn't give up. He said, no, I'm going to remain steadfast. Today, brothers say, if I'm going to, if I'm going to have difficulty at my job, can I change my deen? Can I shave my beard? Can I leave my salah? Can I do this, this, that? Because I have difficulty at the job. Small little difficulty, we're ready to change our deen. We're ready to change the name. My brother Ibrahim salam didn't do that. He is being flung into this massive, massive fire that has been prepared for days and days. Leave it. He says, no, I'm not going to leave my deen. Do what you want. And he's flung into the fire. And as some historical narrations mention, that as he's being thrown into this fire, the, the angels come to his assistance and say, Oh Ibrahim, oh Khalilullah, we've come here to assist you, to help you, that we may put our wings and save you from falling into the fire. So we hear from our elders that Ibrahim turned to the angels and said, That has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent you. He said, No, He didn't send us, but He's given us permission to do what we like. He said, If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hasn't sent you, then no. I want to see, I want to do what Allah has wanted me to say, wanted me to do, or wanted me to see. Wanted Him. I want to be in that state in which Allah wants to see me. The dua of Ta'if always. You know, hits me. And it's just such a powerful dua, every aspect of it. And that one part of the dua of Taif, which really, really is an amazing solace for all of us who are going through difficulties in our lives. Allahumma ini ashku ilayka du'a fa quwati wa qillata hilati wa hawani ala nas. 
When Rasulullah complains of his weakness, Ya Allah, what's happening? People are not listening to me. I'm not able to fully you know, articulate myself properly. And then he says, Oh Allah, who are you abandoning me to? Who are you leaving me to? At whose hands have you entrusted me with? So forth. Then at last he says, That illam takun sakhitan alayya fala ubali. These words. Illam takun sakhitan alayya fala ubali. Oh Allah, if you are not upset at me, then I'm not worried. My feet are bleeding profusely. I've got the spit and the saliva of these kuffar children on my face. Every portion of my body is aching and paining. I have walked miles. It's so far. Walking, you know, tens and tens of miles in that heat. And now I'm walking back completely alone. You can imagine the, the depression, the psychological, you know, torture that he must have gone through. Other than the physical. And then the physical, the, the taunting, and, and the, the physical torture, and then on top of that, the psychological torture. He turns to Allah and he says, Ya Allah, if you, want me, if you want to see me in this state, if you enjoy seeing your Nabi suffering like this, then so be it. I'm not going to complain. Subhanallah. Except if I may say that if you give me well-being, that is more comfortable for me. It's more comfortable for me to have well-being. But if this is, you want to see my blood flow, falling on the ground, and you want me to suffer in this manner, then that's fine. This is what you call love for Allah. This is what you call love for Allah. So when you and I go through some difficulty, you ask Allah, ask Allah, ask Allah, please remove this difficulty. Please remove this difficulty. And then you say, Ya Allah, if this, if this is what you have willed for me, then I am pleased with your decision. Allah loves that. Allah loves that when a person says, Ya Allah, I'm happy with whatever decision you have made for me. That's it. Submit yourself. I know it's hard in the nafs. It's completely shattered your plans. But when you say, Ya Allah, Aslamt, Aslamtu nafsi ilayk. I have submitted myself to the extent that I am going to now turn my heart away from this. I shall no longer desire this if you don't desire it. So Ibrahim salam, he turned to Allah. Now the angels left. And now Allah directly, he didn't get the angels involved. None other than Allah knows his army. Allah doesn't need angels to protect you. No. He will directly speak to the fire. Oh fire, I'm speaking to you. Kuni barda. Become soft, become cool. But sometimes coldness becomes too much. Like Zamharir is a portion of Jahannam. They'll be a type of punishment in Jahannam which is going to be through bitter cold. That is why when bitter winter comes in, we're supposed to make dua and seek protection in Allah from Zamharir, which is a portion of Jahannam in which the punishment will be through cold. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala added the word salaman. That ya, ya, oh, in fire, don't just become cool, cold, but become peaceful. That was the first test. He put complete reliance in Allah and Allah changed the fire for him. Much can be said on this. Second, the time came when he came to Makkah al-Mukarramah. Again, we know this, we've heard this story, a lot can be said about this, but quickly going through it now, that when he, the time came to leave his wife, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructed him to take his family to Syria, from Palestine. When he got to Syria, Allah says, no, move now, take Hajra and Ismail, infant. He comes in riwayat, as, as Syria is very lush land, Sham, very lush, as every lush area he'd go, he said, I hope Allah tells me to stay here. I hope Allah tells me to stay here. Jibreel says, no, no, keep on moving, keep on moving. Now, this is not your final destination. 
He kept on moving until at last they came to Makkah al-Mukarramah. Just barren mountains, unforgiving desert, unforgiving temperature, no fruits, no water, nothing, absolute barren. I mean, it's hard for us to imagine it today after what's going on over there now. But sometimes you should think, think, of, think of, take the Kaaba, actually just take a plain, clean area, and then look at the mountains. You know, take a picture of the desert. When you travel from Makkah to Medina, what do you see? Mountains and deserts. That's what Makkah was. Absolutely the same thing. No water, nothing, no plants. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Ibrahim salam, that you have to leave your family here. As he left Sarah, uh, Hajra and Ismail, an infant, everyone loves the wife. And then everyone loves the child more. And that mother and the child together, that's love upon love. How are you going to, a person, you, you know, he, he won't be able to do this. You can't leave him in a foreign country, much less in a land when there's no one there. So when Ibrahim says, leave him here. He leaves him. He says, now get up, let's go. That's it. That's it, yes. So he sits on his conveyance and he starts going back. And Sarah Hajra turns to Ibrahim and says, oh, oh, Ibrahim, oh, my husband, where are you going? Where are you going? And where are you leaving us? And Ibrahim remains quiet as it comes in the narrations. He doesn't answer because this is a very difficult time. If he will begin to answer things, he may soften up and he may not be able to fulfill the order of Allah. It's a very difficult time to leave the child, leave the wife, at basically, you know, in the mouth, in the jaws of death. So when she doesn't get a response from her husband, then she says, Allahu amraka bihada. Did Allah command you to do this? Why are you doing this? I've never seen you acting like this. And when he nodded in the affirmative, the beautiful, powerful statement which should be written in words of, you know, water of gold and imprinted in our hearts was the one word, إِذَنْ la يُضَيُّعُنَا If that's the case, Allah will not let us go to waste. That's what we need to hear today. No matter who plots against us, no matter what happens in the ummah, no matter how many lives are lost, no matter how much bloodshed there is, no matter how many children become orphans, no matter how many women become widows, no, many, no matter how many people lose their body parts and get crippled for the rest of their lives, no matter how many businesses and homes get burnt down, no matter what it goes on in the world, if you follow the deen, have this faith that you will never go to waste. Your family will never go to waste. If your children follow the deen, if you raise them on the teachings of Ibrahim alayhi salam, wallahi have trust in Allah. Allah will not let your kids go to waste. But if you submit them to other systems of the world, and you give them all other sorts of education, but you don't teach them the deen, you do not teach them the fear of Allah, you don't teach them the way of Ibrahim alayhi salatu salam, then there is no guarantee, my brothers. I share with you an incident of an area, I'm telling you this, that a person... I just heard about a person passed away. I shared maybe with the brothers in, in the Fard Salah here. He passed away and left an enormous, gigantic amount of wealth. I'm talking about millions. And I found out that this person's father, Allah Yarhamu, he lived a life such piety that he never missed a single day in Tahajjud. Every single day he prayed in Tahajjud until he passed away. And his son passed away. Recently, leaving behind gigantic amounts of money. He had, mashallah, earn, earn, earn. But the kids, the kids, the person didn't make effort on the children. The money was there. He gave them all the money you can imagine. 
All of us put together and our children can never have much, that much, that much money. He gave it all. But at the janazah, the children are there, non-Muslims. The children are there, they don't, they don't even know how to pray. Married to non-Muslims and themselves are pretty much non-Muslim. When the brother asked them, hey, would you like to pray? He says, no. They know nothing about Islam. In one generation, where it started off 30 years ago, the grandfather died without missing one day of tahajjud, and today the grandchildren, boys and girls, all out. Tons and tons of money. What's going to happen? There's no protection. And listen, until we don't make an effort on our kids and teach them the deen, there's, there is no way that we're going to get, no guarantee of being safe. We're going to go run after the people, they'll kick us when time's up. They'll kick us real hard. You can never appease them. The way out is to make the proper Islamic tarbiyah and teach them the Islamic values. We need to be reminded of this message today. Every time people say, halat <laughs> Situations are bad, but conditions are bad. It's terrible out there. My brothers, have you ever thought how the conditions will be in the hereafter? Have you ever thought where a person will not be able to look at his mother, a person will not be able to look at his wife, a person will be drenched in his sweat, dying in his sweat, but death is not there? Naked completely, but he's not, he's not even mindful and not even looking at his own body. If you're going to change your deen because of the conditions today, brother, remember the conditions of the hereafter. That's why this powerful ayah comes in the Quran. Allah says, when the Prophet ﷺ, he commanded his sahaba to come out for an expedition in Tabuk, what did they say? <clears throat> they said, it's too hot. What did they say? It's too hot. It's summer. We can't go with you all the way at 900 kilometers. What's this? What's the answer of Allah? قُلْ نَارُ جَهَنَّمَ أَشَدُّ حَرَّةً Tell them the fire of hell is much more hot than this. You are complaining about the heat. Don't bring me excuses for the deen. If you are, remember that tomorrow you're going to have to face a much more bitter, difficult time. This is a message to all of us. Let us stop complaining about the conditions, conditions. Allah controls the conditions. You please Allah, Allah will switch on the conditions immediately. The way you control, apparently control the lights from here, if it's too dark, turn on the light. If it's too bright, turn it off. Simple as that. Allah controls it more closer than this, the conditions of the dunya. You please Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of all of these ahwal. So he made the sacrifice of leaving his wife in that, in that situation. And of course Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought the water of zamzam and whatnot. And we follow the footstep of Hazrat Hajra in Sa'i, running from Safa and Marwa. Third test. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فَلَمَّا بَلَغَ مَعَهُ السَّعْيَ When Ismail alayhi salam came of age, when he began to run with his father. You know? At that time when I used to read the, this tafsir, didn't, didn't have children, wasn't married also, and I used to and try to understand it based on what I read. And I used to read that there's a love that a father has for his child when he's born, an infant, toddler, whatnot. But then when the child becomes of age where he begins to run with his dad, and when he begins to be of assistance and help with his father, then the connection is of a different level. And when the child gets older, gets married, this, that, then of course that relationship changes. The most close bond possibly of amazing, only love, just love. When the child is so innocent, he can't hurt you. And if he does accidentally, it's definitely unintentional. He's just innocent kid. And he's not so little that he's of, of no benefit to you. He's of that age when he's running with you. And he's helping you around as well. And he's just, just, just fun. 100% fun and comfort, coolness of your eyes. At that time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks him for the greatest, greatest challenge. To take the knife and put it on, on his neck. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him such an obedient son. And he says, oh father, if this is what you've seen in the dream, 
here I present myself. Subhanallah. Right. So that um, ultimate sacrifice. Allah did not want him to slaughter him. What did he see in the dream? Did he see him slaughtering him? He didn't see it. He saw the knife on the neck. Allah wanted him to see, is he, able, is he willing to fulfill that? It's not the knife on the neck, it's on the knife on your nafs. That's why they say when you do qurbani, udhiyah, in Eid al-Adha, it's not about sacrificing an animal, you're supposed to be sacrificing your whims, it desires the nafs for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That was the third test that he succeeded. And the fourth was building of the Kaaba. Him and his son, Ibrahim and Ismail together built a beautiful house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Ka'batullah and the foundations that were established by Adam salam previously. And then by Nuh salam and then the flood of Nuh salam got rid of the, the Kaaba, the top part, and the foundations were still there. Ibrahim salam with his son built that foundations. And at last, at the end, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked, Oh Ibrahim, you've completed job, thank you. Now, Ask what you want. Like the laborer does his job and he asks for his paycheck. So Allah says, ask me what you want. So he, Ibrahim asks many beautiful du'as. But one thing, he says, Rabbana fihim Rasula. Oh Allah, I ask you to please send amongst my progeny a prophet. Who's prophet? Rasulullah He made that du'a. He made that du'a that, Ya Allah, I want Nabi Muhammad to come in my ummah. I want him to come amongst my progeny. Yatlu alayhim ayati. He will recite the Qur'an to his ummah. وَيُزَكِّهِمْ And then he will purify their hearts. وَيَعَلِّمُهُ الْكِتَابِ He will teach them the commandments of the Qur'an. Not just reading, but the commandments and the injunctions of the Qur'an. وَالْحَكْمَةِ And the wisdom, the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. So Rasulullah ﷺ, as he said, he said, I am, Allah gave me prophethood before the creation of Adam. While Adam was between mud and water, clay, Allah had already chosen me to be a prophet. I am the Acceptance of the dua of Ibrahim. And I am the prophecy of Prophet Isa. Mubashiran yati min ba'dismu Ahmad. I am the dream of my mother Amina. Because she had seen in a dream the nur coming. So at last Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us Rasulullah through the dua of our father Ibrahim. So my brothers and sisters, we find in the lifestyle of, in the life of Ibrahim Millah. The true way of life. A way of life that is so encompassing. A way of life of Jahidu fillahi haqqa jihadi. Striving for Allah, fulfilling the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the message for us. Every aspect of this was a message for us. But we have to submit ourselves and be willing to sacrifice for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, fulfilling the, 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 the relationship. Wasta. Allah ka ihsanat. Think about what Allah has done for you. And what Allah has done for me. And then it will be easy for us to get up for Fajr. It will be easy for us to get up for Tahajjud. It will be easy for us to guard our gaze from haram. It will be easy for us to only eat halal. It will be easy for us to stay away from haram income. When we remember, who is this for? This is for Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 